0: Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. This is Megan McKimmy.
1: And I'm Rachel Telford.
0: This is August 10th, and here are your grain headlines for this week.
1: Canada and Saudi Arabia are currently in a diplomatic dispute um, because Canada is protesting some human rights violations that it has witnessed in Saudi Arabia, including the detention of some rights activists. As a result, Saudi Arabia's national airline is cancelling flights to Toronto. Um, They've also instructed their investment brokers to uh, sell off all of their Canadian assets. On Wednesday, that momentarily created a dip in the Canadian dollar, but it did rebound by the end of the day of note for grain farmers there is an impact to some of our grain exports
0: Saudi Arabia's main wheat buying agency has announced that they will no longer be buying Canadian wheat and barley Um, so in 2017 Saudi Arabia bought nearly 70,000 tons of uh, Canadian wheat and about 135,000 tons of Canadian barley Um, But on a brighter note, G3, which was um, formed in 2015 by the Saudi Arabia agriculture and livestock investment company, Salik, and the U.S. uh, grain handler, Bungie, came together to create G3. And G3 just recently announced that um, it will continue business as usual. So that's a positive for uh, the Canadian market.
1: In other agricultural business news, BSF recently announced that they have closed their acquisition of businesses and assets from Bayer. Uh, Bayer recently acquired Monsanto, and as part of that deal, they did have to divest some of their original holdings. So with this, BASF um, has increased some of their uh, crop protection and biotech and digital activities. Um, They are now entering into seeds, non-selective herbicides, and nematicide seed treatments, Um, and about 4,500 employees are now joining BASF. Um, As a result of this as well, They've decided to rename their division from Crop Protection to Agricultural Solutions just because they have an expanded scope of their agriculture business. Um, And they've also, uh, the the division has also established a new global business unit for seeds and traits. Uh, Again, just to reflect the expanded business that they are now doing.
0: And uh, Green Farmers of Ontario has announced that uh, we will be bringing Rick Mercer to the 2019 March Classic. Um, And if you don't know Rick Mercer, he's best known for his Rick Mercer report that uh, aired on TV for a number of years and uh, just finished this spring. So it's a great time to have Rick Mercer in uh, to talk about Canadian agriculture. Um, We're really excited to have him there because the March Classic is a good time to look at the broader world. And it gives us a chance to look globally and nationally um, at Ontario farm business and agriculture.
1: Coming up next on the podcast, we're going to have an interview with Paolo Santangelo with SGS Agriculture and Food. He's the commercial manager of the Grains Analytical Testing Laboratory. And we're going to talk about the wheat harvest quality survey that's being done this summer.
0: On the podcast today, we have Paulo Santangelo, and he is the commercial manager of the Grains Analytical Testing Laboratory. And I think to start us off today, can you tell us about what that lab is and the partnership between GFO and SGS?
2: Sure. Um, so my title with uh, with SGS is uh, commercial manager. So in essence, I am the uh, the person who manages the throughput of samples through a lab that tests primarily wheat. And uh, from the, uh, the the surface uh, attributes such as grading, as well as the functional aspects of the flour that's milled from the wheat, um, so basically everything in between is um, is something that uh, that we do at our lab.
0: And how um, did the grains analytical testing laboratory come together?
2: Yeah, so uh, a few years ago, um, we uh, or actually two years ago, the GFO and SGS uh, announced a joint venture um, with, um, with opening up of this lab. It's, uh, it's, I guess, a dream of the GFO to have a a local presence of technical experience and, and support for, for the local growers of, of wheat to start. And hopefully this venture will grow into representing other crops to be equivalent to what it is the GFO represents for, uh, for their membership.
1: And Paulo, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and and how you came to Guelph and and became a master baker, we understand, and, and what is all involved with, you know, being the guy who knows all about flour?
2: Yeah, so uh, my background's primarily in in, in the uh, processing side of wheat. Uh, so I've been in the milling industry since uh, 2000, and uh, started off as a uh, a miller in in Regina, working for a small company called Farm Grow Organic Foods, and um, and from that point traveled quite a bit, worked in the U.S. for a bit, milled some Durham, soft red winter, hard red winter, hard red spring from Canada and the U.S., and uh, migrated into the quality. Aspect of things in 2007. And back in 2007 is when I became a quality assurance manager for PH Milling um, and uh, then a director of quality for the company called Rogers Foods out in British Columbia. Um, in between those two stints, I did get some experience. Uh, in baking, taking some courses down in the United States at the American Institute of Baking, which did give me my certified baker's diploma. Does that uh, mean
1: you can make a great loaf of bread? Uh,
2: I I I want to <laughs> say yes, um, but uh, but sometimes it doesn't work out.
1: <laughs> That's great. And then um, why come to Guelph? Uh,
2: this was a, a really good opportunity for me to branch out a little bit from milling, which is all I've known. Uh, I wanted to expose myself a little bit more to uh, the, the, the larger scope of the supply chain. Uh, where I've experienced most of my time has been from just purchasing the grain that's available to uh, wanting to know how it works out for bakers. This has really allowed me to expose myself to things such as uh, the farming uh, aspect of the industry, as well as um, not necessarily just wanting to know how wheat applies to where I work, but how it applies to international trade, um, the demands and the supplies within the industry as well. So it's really uh, given me a better scope of, of what the industry entails. And that's kind of what I was looking forward to, to, uh, um, to gain and I have. So it's been for me a, a good professional growth opportunity. And um, Ontario is closer to home. My mom, my mom and dad are still in Montreal. So uh, again, now I'm just a drive away as opposed to a five hour flight. Uh, that's always nice. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of reasons to come.
1: And what have you learned about agriculture? What would you say is like the one thing in the past two years that's really stuck out for you as a learning?
2: Uh, I'm still doing a lot of it, but the aspect that I'm really still wanting to learn a little bit more about is the farming side of of the business and, uh, the actual going out on the fields and, and trying to uh, get a better grasp of what it is that farmers deal with on a day-to-day basis from the point of you know, choosing what crops to grow and and how they try to experience new technologies and 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 how that impacts their business.
0: And we've uh, been over to the lab for a tour, and I think there's some pretty interesting stuff over there uh, at the laboratory. But what does your day to day look like? What are you in the lab every day? Are you out uh, on the road? I think people would be pretty curious to know a bit more about
2: that. Yeah, so it, you know, it, I, I take the road. And takes me where it leads me uh, most of the time. But yeah, there are several forks in the road. And um, and right now, for example, as I mentioned, it is a two-year-old um, uh, lab in the sense that is it is also a commercial lab. So we are also servicing not only GFO's uh, annual harvest surveys, which I'm sure we'll talk about here shortly, but also uh, the commercial demands from grain elevator companies with uh, wanting to know more about... Uh, what it is that their customers are asking for as far as quality goes. Um, So we're at the mercy of what shows up in the mail. Uh, if I'm needed to do some testing, be a lab technician for the day, that's where I, where I go. Um, but this time of year where we're still waiting for most of the crop to come off the fields in Canada, I know most of Ontario has a lot of the wheat already off, but, um, but uh, it's been an opportunity for me to try to grow the business side of it. Um, so I foresee with early harvest and, um, and wheat coming to us here now that I'll spend more and more time at the lab.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the wheat harvest survey that we do with Grain Farmers of Ontario. We send all the samples to the SGS lab here in Guelph. Um, Can you walk us through that process? So we collect the samples, and we get them to the lab, and then what happens?
2: Yeah, so those samples are being collected by uh, by GFO, and uh, they submit these samples to our trade office in Hensel, uh, where they provide the initial grade on the on the samples individually that are received. So um, so farm A submits a sample, we grade it. And then we have one from elevator A or what have you. Um, then what we do based on those grades is we segregate them by grade as well as by type. So we receive soft red winter, soft white winter, hard red winter, hard red spring as well. Not many of those, but, um, but nonetheless, what we do then is form composites from those individual samples that make up those, those, those groupings and then uh, proceed to mill them to get the flour and once we have the flour, we then do many of the other types of tests that are more related to the functionality or end use quality for baking, uh, such as farinographs and 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 t- dough type tests.
0: And I, I know we've had a few rounds of results come in on the wheat harvest survey. Can you just talk a little bit about um, what you're seeing so far on those?
2: Uh, so we've done two already. This uh, this will be our third uh, two thousand eight crop. Two thousand eighteen crop will be our third third round Um, and uh, what I've seen for sure is an increase in the number of samples each year that make up those composites so again more representative uh, every year and I suspect the same to be for 2018 seeing that uh, we are perhaps almost halfway in the collection side of things and have approximately 200 samples and uh, we received just over 300 last year. Um, so that would be one thing that I've seen the other is um, reproducibility of our testing Uh, we are able to see trends as well from one year to the next and it being represented very well out in industry
0: great and we also do uh, the end user survey and so for our farmers um, that might not know a lot about that what is that survey
2: so this is a survey we send out to industry, primarily those who buy the wheat here in Ontario. So the grain elevator companies such as Parrish and Heimbecker and um, some of the, the the brokers as well, like Thompson, they may be the ones who are interested in in knowing what these results are. So what we're most in, in, in tune with is wanting to make sure that we are providing them with the information they want to know. So um, So we're on a maybe every two years or so, type of a schedule. We will send out this survey to industry wanting to know what their priorities are, what, they, what they're hearing out in industry as to being the most important parameters, and, and ranking them that way to make sure that we're still relevant with respect to the information we're providing them on a year-to-year basis.
1: And we've talked in the past that farmers often think that protein is the most important thing for the end user but that's not always the case and there's a wide range of different characteristics that are looked for. Can you touch on some of the other things that are, are asked for by industry?
2: Sure. Uh, in, in Ontario, primarily, um, there are, from what I've learned, because I'm still learning, is, um, is the issue with uh, DAWN or, or fumesarium, pretty um, important here in Ontario, meaning that it's a little bit more susceptible in this region than it is out in the West, for example. Uh, but that's slowly changing, perhaps. <laughs> Uh, the other um, thing that I've seen is, as far as that goes, is also the falling number. Those are, those are two of the primary um, concerns with farmers as well as millers here in, in in the area when it comes to buying Ontario grains. Again, that might change over time, but um, but until those two situations are, are taken care of with, you know, genetics improving or, or you know, climate change maybe helping farmers one day, um, that could that could change and priorities may change as well.
1: So there's a couple of terms that farmers not be, might not be familiar with, and you just used one of them, falling number. Can you explain what that is?
2: Sure. Falling number is uh, an, a test that's used to indicate the amount of enzyme activity that's uh, occurring in the kernel. And again, the enzyme activity is as a result of sprout sprouting um, and the more uh, sprouting that has occurred uh, in the grain, typically the more falling or uh, more alpha amylase enzyme that's present, which again is there is a linear relationship between the amount of, uh, of alpha amylase presence and how well it will behave in, in baking. Uh, Too much alpha amylase is very very detrimental to bread quality and so if you have too much Alpha amylase meaning too much sprout damage, then that could be uh, an issue that cannot be overcome by bakers.
1: So what is alpha amylase?
2: Uh, It's just an enzyme that's uh, present in the wheat to break down starches into sugars for the plant to have energy to grow
0: And um, for those of us that have been, I think there's a lot of pretty neat uh, machines over there when we are walking through your lab. um, And there's some that we might not know a lot about what they actually do. So what is the ROTOP machine? Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. that's a manufacturer name. Oh, okay, uh, but but industry refers to it uh, very very often, and I would use that term as well. But what it's used for is to determine particle size distribution in samples of uh, Durham semolina, for example, which is a granular uh, type product, and um, they you know industry wants to know where the majority of the um, of that par- product sits. Uh, with respect to the other portions of that product. Um, so it's a, just basically a sieve machine uh, with a stack of different sizes, and we pass the material through it and see what we get.
1: And there's also a fermentation cabinet in the baking room, what's what's that about?
2: So when, when you bake, uh, one of the most important parts of baking is allowing for the dough to rise And also ferment and uh, get those flavors from the acids that are formed from the fermentation process so this is a a very controlled little box where you monitor temperature and humidity Uh, and And as a lab we have to make sure that it's the same temperature and same humidity every time Um, So one of our uh, one of our key parameters for that is is those two um, those two uh, items and 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 it's always controlled. So it's a controlled proofing and controlled fermentation.
0: And uh, I have a note here about the glutomatic machine, and that sounds kind of interesting. What does
2: that one do? So it's um, it's something that's used to isolate just the gluten that's in dough. Uh, so it's a little mixer where you add water to flour, and flour is primarily made up of two components, starch and gluten. So um, when you pass water through the dough, as the um, dough is mixing, all the starches kind of dissolve in the flour in the water and passes through a screen, and leaves the gluten slash protein, however you want to call it, um, in in that in that little uh, vessel. And then you weigh the gluten, and you end up with a wet gluten um, parameter or dry gluten if you want to dry it out and see how much of that is dry, and also a gluten index result.
0: And for um, the end users, why is that an important, uh, I guess, information to find out?
2: So if you can imagine two different wheat samples or flour samples of equal protein content, Um, you may still see some differences in the total amount of wet gluten that's present. In other words, one gluten or one flour sample may absorb more water in that process than the other, so the overall weight of the gluten might differ. So it's a matter of trying to determine how much of it is actually functional protein uh, versus non-functional. So that's, that's that's one way that a baker may want to look at that.
1: And when we talk about gluten, that's often in agriculture a hot topic, people want to avoid gluten. But I remember when we did one tour of your lab, you actually showed us that gluten ball, and it's not really a scary thing after all.
2: No, it's actually quite interesting in the sense that people don't see it as what I show it to be like, which is pure gluten. It's very, very gummy. Uh, It's really no different than a very stiff uh, piece of uh, bubble gum that's been chewed for quite a while. Uh, very elastic, you want to pull on it, it wants to stretch back into place, Um, and and it's got some extensibility properties as well. So it's it's a very unique thing when you think about it in the cereal industry. Wheat is really the only grain that provides you that gluten-type structure and why wheat and flour are very uh, unique for baking.
1: And have you seen, I guess, with that change in sort of consumer perceptions about wheat and flour and and avoiding gluten, when you talk with industry, have you noticed a a shift in in their demands and what they're looking for?
2: Um, Well, what industry, specifically the baking industry, has been doing is responding to what it is that the consumers want. And, you know, the trends have been showing that people are following gluten-free diets for the reasons of of losing weight, um, not only for those who are uh, are intolerant uh, and have celiac. So, I mean, there are many different reasons and I don't blame them for wanting to expose themselves into those marketplaces. But uh, unfortunately, that doesn't mean they want to buy wheat flour. Uh, so I'm pro-wheat uh, for, for many reasons, but um, but I'm also fortunate enough to not have to worry about, um, you know, ingesting it and, and being ill as a result. So, um, so Again, industry isn't looking at it as being bad, it's just being, it's just looking at alternatives to it for for whatever reason.
0: And um, I know we had talked a little bit about the end user survey, but again, I'm kind of uh, curious, um, when end users are asking for, or I guess through that survey, what have you found that really we're looking for in flower and um, what farmer, I guess how that applies to farmers and what they're growing?
2: So what, what industry really wants to see as best as possible is consistency between one year to the next. And, and you could only imagine that when you have different varieties of wheat and you have different environmental factors in which the wheat is exposed to from one year to the next, it's very difficult to expect that. But it's up to industry, meaning from the millers and the grain handlers, to ensure that they try to maintain as consistent a supply of wheat as possible. Uh, And protein plays a very, very large role in that. Um, So many mills try to target a specific protein level in order to try to keep, at the very least, the expectation of the functionality of the protein to be as close as possible from one year to the next. So, you know, you ask a miller, what do they want to see from year to year? And they're going to say they just want to make sure their customers are getting what they want, which is as consistent a flower as possible from one year to the next.
0: And do you find out of all of the tests that you're doing in the lab, is there one that um, you think might be more applicable or not, or uh, an area that might get focused on more?
2: Yeah, so I have, I have preferences, but what's very interesting about industry's response to the different types of tests we do is they each seem to put more weight on one uh, result than another. Um, they may attra- they may put that weight on for whatever reason. Could be as a result of um, of it on how it handles on their production line. If they're a very commercial mill, uh, it could be. Something that they've correlated with a trend of poor quality that they say, oh, if my flower result is less than this number, then I see this problem. So they may have set their own standards based on something they've seen a correlation with. Um, So so it's very difficult to say that there's one piece of equipment or test that has more relevance than another. Uh, We offer all of them because they are all relevant Uh, and um, and we just want to be able to, to meet whatever it is that their expectations are of flour quality.
1: And what do you find that they're mostly using Ontario flour for? What are the some of the main uses?
2: Well yes, yeah, no surprise to many listeners, uh the, the, the major wheat variety that's grown in southern Ontario is is soft red winter wheat. So soft wheats are primarily used for products such as cookies, uh, pie crusts and and muffins and cake mixes. All the tasty things all the stuff that takes a lot of sugar as well. Yes. Um, so, um, that's, that's primarily what those products are used for also crackers. And we have uh, a large, uh, uh, importer from the United States who buys quite a bit of it from, from Ontario farmers. Uh, and we thank them for that. Um, and the reason they come up here for it is because we do provide them with the wheat that then gives a the flour that works for them. So, uh, so Ontario wheat is good for, uh, those types of products just as good as it is out west.
1: So, do you think that providing the results that we do from the lab helps to maintain a reputation with industry?
2: Yes, I I, sure, I certainly do. I mean, if um, if buyers know what to expect, then they'd be more willing to uh, to buy from Ontario. If they're buying blindly uh, or if they're basically taking a chance, what we're doing is letting our opportunities, meaning marketplaces know how, they, how to expect our wheat to perform, how it compares to other markets, uh, and uh, more importantly, if they're already using it and they see our new crop harvest survey show changes, then they know how to adapt. Uh, that, those, are, those are the main, main importances when it comes to our, our survey and, and how it can um, provide that information to market.
0: And has there been anything um, since you've been in this position that you've learned that you found really interesting or surprising, or what? What, what have you gathered as you've con- gone along in this position?
2: That's a that's a tough question to answer. <laughs> a little
0: open ended.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. um, Any
1: differences with Ontario versus some of the uh, out west?
0: I don't.
2: I don't. Uh, Primary. Prim- you know, I came from BC where it didn't snow very often. Um, so and the climate was a lot milder than it is here in Ontario. Uh, so that's not something that I. I can say i like more um but uh but i am a an eastern kid from montreal so it's not something new either um but uh but you know as far as what it is that ontario offers uh, versus what bc offers uh it offers the same type of people both nice friendly uh very very easy to to live here um but uh but when it comes to the the, the industry itself the milling and grain industry I find that there is a difference between how um how uh how farmers are in both regions. Uh, just one example that I can think of is I used to always call farmers farmers when I was here and uh went out west and um and all of a sudden when I said a farmer or I called a farmer a farmer, they said no we're not farmers, we're producers. So I started calling farmers producers and come back out here and I have that habit of calling farmers, producers. And I went to one of the, I think it was the first, um, March classic a couple of years ago. And I was being introduced to farmers calling them producers and they were insulted. (laughs) We're not producers, we're farmers and we're proud of it. So again, just, just little, little differences like that. Um, And I'm still getting used to them.
1: I find, too, if you talk to American farmers, they say that they raise wheat and corn and soybeans. They don't grow them. And that, I find, is a distinction, too, because here we say we grow crops and we raise livestock. But there they raise crops, which I've I've noticed is a difference.
2: Yeah, Uh, and I've never... I don't I can't remember ever talking to a farmer or producer in the United States so uh, <laughs> they're growers they're 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 whatever they want to be but in the end they're all contributing to the uh, to the sustainability of of crops and they are uh, you know I, I would have to say um, you know uh, intelligent and using technology to their advantages just as well as they are here in Ontario from what I see
1: So on the technology front, what's changing in the lab in terms of technology?
2: Um, I would say, very little um, farm uh, flour milling is an ancient uh, production uh, uh, industry and and when uh, when you think about the quality aspect of things it's not very different today than it was many years ago I would have to say that if anything the only thing would be uh, interfacing with with computers um, so very minimal data entry compared to the days of the past uh, our graphs used to be with ink on paper. Now it's digital. Uh, So again, it's a little bit more friendly for users of the equipment and for those who have to work with the data. Um, but, um, But the equipment itself is very much the same or pretty much does the same thing.
0: And a lot of the tests you do, um, this got me thinking because I didn't know a lot about uh, the sort of tests you're doing. When we were in there, we see the, the, the dough that was blown up into the big bubble and the tests you're doing stretching. How new is are those type of tests? And, and since we've been focusing on maybe that end user?
2: That's a, that's a good question. I don't know how long that test has been around, but I know it's been around longer than I have been in the industry. <laughs> um, and, um, and that specific test is the, uh, the alveograph, and, uh, and we form a, a dough patty, let it sit for a while, and then pass a jet of air underneath that patty to blow a bubble no different than you would if you were chewing bubblegum again (laughs) and that bubble gum reference comes back (laughs) Uh, Blowing that bubble and and that resistance you feel initially when you blow the bubble and how big the bubble gets before it pops Well, that's what we're doing with this test exactly that but measuring what that resistance is and and continuously through the time That bubble is growing and and then also measuring how long it takes before it pops so those are all types of um, measurements that have to do with the gluten properties that are uh, specific to that flour sample.
0: And if farmers want to get any of this type of testing done themselves, can can they submit uh, individual samples to that to the grains lab?
2: Absolutely, uh, we have a submission form that they would have to submit with the sample they would like tested, uh, indicate to them uh, to us what it is they want done to it, and uh, with the contact information that they would provide on that submission form, we would report back to them as quickly as we can. Um, and that address and all of that information is on the form itself. Um, and that form could be found at our website www.agtest.ca. On that page, you'll find a link to the grains analytical testing submission form. And uh, and it's a PDF file that they can uh, type into directly and print out and submit with the sample.
0: Great, and thank you. I think that uh, wraps up what we all wanted to chat with you today. Thanks for taking the time. Um, It's great having you right here in studio. And I think that uh, is a lot of really interesting information that a lot of
1: our farmers might not know about.
2: So thank you. I'm glad to have been here, and thank you for the opportunity.
1: Coming up next on the podcast, we talk to Marcus Hurl, Chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario. We are here with Marcus Hurl, our Chair at Grain Farmers of Ontario. Um,
0: and last week, uh, the Grain Growers of Canada had an AGM. And at that AGM, we uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario became a member, and you're now the Vice Chair. Can you tell us a bit more about the importance of that?
3: As uh, we were looking always for a national voice for the grain and oilseed industry uh, to be established across the country, grain growers of Canada certainly had the, uh, some of the structure in, uh, that we were looking for, but uh, there needed to be a little bit more focus into how they take the approaches to address the issues that are coming from the uh, provincial organizations and uh, how they can be addressed. And um, now the, uh, the, the whole process came together. And uh, it was a proof that uh, the uh, rejuvenation uh, process for the grain growers actually ended up that Grain Farmers of Ontario joined uh, with um, the uh, Grain Farmers of Quebec, SaskPulse and the uh, Manitoba Old Grower Association, which now makes it a true national voice in Ottawa. And um, at the same time, um, the, uh, the board elected myself as the vice chair of the organization. And it's certainly going to give us as Ontario also another voice to bring our issues forward and uh, be rep- that representational ba- body that's going to work on behalf of the granite and the industry in Canada.
1: And one of the issues right now, obviously for farmers across the country, is weather. And uh, we've seen some volatile weather in terms of rain and and some hot weather in some places. Um, and that's been affecting wheat harvest. Can you talk a little bit about um, how the harvest has been going across the province?
3: Yeah. So, yeah. In general, the um, winter wheat harvest has been wrapped up. Um, the uh, The only thing that's uh, really important that we have to recognize here is the uh, affected drought areas that uh, were popping up around the province um, on especially hurting the crops for corn, soybeans, and um, now with the relief that we got the last two weeks from the rains uh, across the province, that certainly helps those crops, but On the uh, wheat front, uh, we have to remember with uh, some of the precipitation that we got, some of the quality issues certainly came to the forefront also. And uh, there has been some struggle to finish off on the winter wheat front with good quality. But now with the spring wheat uh, harvest starting, uh, there is still a lot of optimism that uh, it will be still a, a good, decent crop coming in.
0: And uh we've just had another board meeting. Can you tell us a bit about what happens uh at this month's board meeting?
3: Yes, as uh we always go into the uh August board meeting is uh one of the principles that we uh, work on is um the financial report for the past year of two thousand eighteen. Oh sorry, it's actually seventeen eighteen and um, we, uh, the board approved the uh, financials, and uh, you will find them in the uh, coming up report that's going to be sent out to the members. And uh, we will have our AGM in September um, on uh, close to the um, outdoor farm show. And it's going to give our members a bit of insight of what the organization does with their checkoff dollars and uh, how we invest them for them.
1: And farmer members can view those financial statements online as well at gfo.ca ahead of the AGM just to have a look at the numbers. And then if they have any questions, uh, they can bring them to the AGM to to ask and be prepared to have a bit more time to look at those numbers. If you have a question or comment for Marcus that you'd like him to address on an upcoming podcast, send us an email, graintalk at gfo.ca. And thank you,
0: Marcus, for your update uh, from the chair today on our podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash A special thank you to our guests, Paulo Santangelo and Marcus Hurl. Also, thank you to our producer, Mark Carter. If you like
0: what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play.